Welcome to this episode of Substantial Matters, Life and Science of Parkinson's. I'm your host, Dan Keller. At the Parkinson's Foundation, we want all people with Parkinson's and their families to get the care and support they need. Better care starts with better research and leads to better lives. In this podcast series, we highlight the fruits of that research, the treatments and techniques that can help you live a better life now, as well as research that can bring a better tomorrow. If you've had Parkinson's for a while, you probably know that it can be unpredictable. Symptoms can come and go or get better and worse throughout the day, sometimes changing hour to hour or even minute to minute. These changes, called motor fluctuations by healthcare professionals, can be bothersome. But with a variety of modern medicines and appropriate dosing and timing, you can often control your symptoms. Teaming up with a good movement disorder specialist is key to managing your condition and living your best possible life. At the recent Parkinson's Foundation Centers of Excellence Leadership Conference, I spoke with Irene Malati a movement disorders neurologist and the director of the Parkinson's Foundation Center of Excellence at the University of Florida in Gainesville. She told me how people with Parkinson's can work with their doctors to control motor fluctuations. What are they? What do people know about them? So motor fluctuations are the symptoms related to movement and Parkinson's disease that change in relationship to the effects of medications. So oftentimes people with Parkinson's, if they've had Parkinson's long enough and if they have enough symptoms, will experience a significant difference once their medication takes effect. And we like to refer to that as feeling on, as if their medicine is working and they can move more easily. If they have tremor, the tremor may be less. And then as the medication reaches its peak, sometimes people experience an overflow of movement that we call dyskinesia, which is an abnormal involuntary movement, like a wiggling kind of movement. Then as the medicine wears off at the end of a dose interval, meaning the time between one dose and the next, people can have a return of their symptoms where they feel off or more stiff or more shaky or less able to move around. And so in early Parkinson's, it's really easy to take a few doses and have a really good, sustained, consistent benefit. But as people have it a little bit longer, the dependence on the medication is more and people can experience those ups and downs throughout the course of the day. So is that because early on they're still making a little bit of dopamine and it kind of gives them coverage, but then they're really dependent on the medicine to supply that effect? Yes. How do these impact people? I mean, first they may have too much movement and then can't move enough. So how does this interfere with their just daily life? It can be very frustrating and impactful because when a person's medicine is working, they may be able to function quite well and do the things they enjoy doing. But when the dyskinesia comes, it can be mild and what we call non-troublesome or can be very aggravating and it can affect their coordination and balance. And certainly when the medicine wears off, some people may feel nearly paralyzed from the things they would like to be doing. So some people learn to adapt and plan their activities around their medications. So for instance, someone who loves to golf may purposely time their medication so that it will be at its peak when they wanna be out with their buddies doing their golfing. Or if people have social events, they may need to talk with their 
healthcare provider about what kinds of minor adjustments can be made to optimize their function during those kinds of things. When people are experiencing off periods, are there any sorts of shorter term rescue medications that people use or it's just you either take your Cinemed or whatever or you don't? So there are a lot of options. There are a lot of factors that go into deciding what's the best medication change strategy. So if these are rare, then we might do something like what you're describing, which is a rescue that you would do as needed. For some people, that could be as simple as a half pill extra of levodopa or a full pill extra. For people who have more significant sudden and disabling offs, there are even injectable therapies like something called apomorphine, known by the brand name Apikin. So there are a lot of different kinds of strategies that get used for rescue. If these problems are happening consistently on a regular basis, on a daily basis, or often enough to disrupt quality of life, then it can be time to adjust the everyday pattern of medications. And so sometimes, if the issue is only wearing off, then sometimes a medicine can be added that will extend the duration of benefit of the medication. Another option is sometimes we have to move things a little closer together, and instead of taking them only three times a day, it might need to be four times a day, or instead of every five hours, every four hours. For some people, the bothersome part are the dyskinesias or the involuntary movements. And in those cases, sometimes we add a medication called amantadine that can occasionally suppress those extra movements called dyskinesia. Sometimes we have to reduce the amount of medicine per dose to try to avoid high peak levels in the body that can contribute. Sometimes we have to remove medications that are add-on therapies and simplify the regimen. And sometimes we switch to more long-acting formulations that are a more slow and steady release of medication or absorption. Sometimes there's a difference in how potent a medicine is if it's slow release because you don't reach the same high peak, but sometimes there are advantages too. So now we have multiple formulations of levodopa. We know that medicine commonly is cinnamet, carbidopa, levodopa, but it comes in a lot of different formulations. One of them is cinnamet CR, which is a slower release version. The newer one called Ritari has beads inside that dissolve at different times, so partially more immediate and partially slower to try to find the medium between immediate and slow release. We have an orally dissolving form that can be used for people who want to be able to take something quickly without having to swallow. Maybe they don't want to have to have water, although cinnamon can be chewed. There are even long-acting forms of dopamine agonists, both the oral forms of premipexol and rapinarol and also the patch of rotigotine that are slower release forms. So a lot of times we may have to look at exactly the timing of the symptoms that are bothersome and what they are. Sometimes we even move on to thinking about surgical therapies. The surgical therapies for Parkinson's are not right for every single person, but they can be life-changing for the right person. One of those is levodopa that's infused continuously over 16 hours through what's called a PEG-J tube, which is a small tube that's permanently inserted into the abdomen where a pump can be attached in the morning and just let the levodopa run at a consistent level for 16 hours a day and it's taken off at night. The goal of that is to avoid the ups and downs by keeping a steady continuous rate. And sometimes those people still take some oral medicine, meaning pills. 
The other surgical option um, that we talk about sometimes is called deep brain stimulator surgery. I'll mention that there's another form of levodopa I didn't say called Stilevo, which is carbidopa levodopa with another medicine added in called entacapone. The goal being to slow down the metabolism of levodopa so that it lasts a little longer. Some people find that that makes their dyskinesias aggravated, but some find that it extends the benefit. So there are a lot of different things we can try. Deep brain stimulator surgery is a different approach where an electrode, what you might think of like a wire, is put into the brain, deep into the areas that are involved with Parkinson's, and attached to a wire that's tunneled under the skin to a battery in the chest. So similar to a pacemaker for the heart, this is like a pacemaker for the brain. And it uses electrical pulses to change the firing patterns in the brain in a way that help improve the Parkinson's symptoms. And that can be an effective strategy for reducing dyskinesia and for evening out the ups and downs. Not necessarily doing a lot better than the best that medicine does, but keeping it more consistent. Sometimes helping tremors significantly, maybe even above what the medicine can do. There are other surgical therapies looked at too, which are called lesions or small holes made in the brain, but deep brain stimulation allows it to be programmed and changed. So there are lots of options that can be worked through to try to improve these fluctuations. With all these options, I mean, you've laid out a lot. It sounds like the only way the movement disorder specialist, the neurologist, is going to know what to move on to is if the patient reports how they're doing. So what should the patient be looking for? What should the patient be discussing with their doctor? That's a very important question. And first of all, I think an important thing is to make sure that you're speaking the same language as your doctor or your nurse practitioner or ARNP, whatever you're seeing, but to make sure you're speaking the same language. And what I mean by that is sometimes people say tremor and an individual says tremor because their body's moving in a way that they don't want it to, but they might really be talking about dyskinesia, a different kind of wiggling movement. So I always think it's important to explain what do we mean when we say on or off or tremor and to describe those kinds of symptoms. So then the critical thing is to look at timing. So I ask people to say, you know, what are the good times of the day, the bad times of day? And can you tell when your medicine kicks in and wears off? So for some people, they can tell me, half an hour before my pill is due, I don't need a clock, I know, because I can't move. And so that can be really useful information because now I know the problem is duration of benefit. So I like to say, pay attention to what time you took your pill and what went wrong or right that you did or didn't like because knowing how well it worked and how long it lasted are probably two really key pieces to figuring out what needs to change. So how well do people do? How well do they get regulated if they're under good management and you've titrated the dosing and the timing and things like that? How's their life? I think people can live a good life and they need a good doctor by their side and good rehab therapist by their side to help them navigate all of this. Sometimes I tell my patients that Parkinson's is like a game that the rules keep changing. So what works today isn't necessarily what's going to work in six months or 12 months. But sometimes we can do really simple things like adding a helper medicine or changing a little bit the timing or the dosing and really make a dramatic improvement in quality of life. And sometimes it's multiple things. I didn't mention one class of medicine, just to be complete. 
selegiline and risagiline, and we have a new one that just got approved that are called monoamine oxidase inhibitors, and those also have a mild benefit of reducing off time. So what I would say is don't suffer through it. Talk to your doc about what's happening because a lot of times we can shift things in a way that really improve quality of life and keep people doing the things they love to do. Great. Thank you. If you need to find a movement disorder specialist, call our helpline at 1-800-4PD-INFO. It is important to seek expert care. For more information on that, listen to Episode 2 of these podcasts, The Parkinson's Foundation's Role in Setting Standards of Care. It is also important to find the doctor that is the best fit for you, someone you can trust. Be sure to keep open the lines of communication so your doctor always knows your top concerns. If you want to leave feedback or comments on this podcast or any other subject, you can do it at parkinson.org feedback. We'll respond to some questions in future episodes. At the Parkinson's Foundation, our mission is to help every person diagnosed with Parkinson's live the best possible life today. To that end, we'll be bringing you a new episode in this podcast series twice a month. In our next podcast, we'll pick up with a discussion on new delivery methods for levodopa. Till then, for more information and resources, visit parkinson.org or call our toll-free helpline at 1-800-4-PD-INFO. That's 1-800-473-4636. There are a couple of resources you may find particularly useful after today's chat with Dr. Malati. One is our free book, Managing Parkinson's Midstride, available in the e-store on our website. Another is our video series with Dr. Malati on motor fluctuations. Check it out at parkinson.org videos. Thank you for listening. <laughs>